GP Insights, a health cert podcast. Practical advice for busy GPs on how to treat with confidence and grow their practice. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's podcast, and thank you for taking the time to join us. And this week, we're going to be talking about the importance of benchmarks and metrics in the success of primary care practice or a general practice. And I'd love to introduce you to Chris Smead, who's the co-creator and CEO of Cubico, which is a medical practice platform that provides insights and analysis into all practice data to help us identify areas to improve profitability and efficiency in your practice. So uh, welcome, Chris. Welcome to the podcast. Amazing. Thank you so much for having me along. I Look, I could never turn down a chance to chat about metrics and data for general practice. I'm going to have you at this podcast by saying I am a total data general practice nerd. So, you know, uh, listeners beware, a general practice nerd is on the line today. Well, I'm uh, look, can I, we need these nerds because uh, one thing that we don't like to be doing is driving the bus and not being able to look at the speed dial or know if the brakes are working, because obviously if we don't have those two items, we might be driving off a cliff. And I think, um, Chris, just to um, start the conversation, and uh, I look, and hopefully, once again, you're going to actually get to make what would be apparently be a fairly boring piece of uh, <laughs> uh, subject matter into something that's going to be an exchange that's lively. So I'm looking forward to this podcast greatly because I'm very passionate about uh, you know medical businesses and the importance of actually understanding what your business is doing and also the historical performance, mm. also the projected performance so that you can get a better outcome because we understand, you know, running a practice is hard, but also it is also challenging to run a profitable practice. And as I said, um, you know, we're, we're a user of Cubico. Um, the, the audience uh, would probably be aware we, we own and operate 21 uh, medical centers and we've integrated Cubico into our business um, and it has made a massive amount of difference. But I think the main thing is around is being able to have that information now, but I think we should start firstly is just get to introduce yourself and a little bit about your background and also why you started Cubico in the first place. Yeah, no, it's um, amazing. And um, I think it all goes back to actually, uh, I originally stayed as an accountant. So if there are any accountants listening to the podcast, put the fingers in the ears for, for a minute. I started and studied accounting and graduated as an accountant. And realized that, oh, I did not want to be an accountant. I did not want to be an accountant at all. Um, I always had a really strong passion for social justice. So I didn't start accounting. And I went and started working as a practice manager for a large not-for-profit general practice in Brisbane. Um, big, strong social justice link. Wanted to give something back to the community. Thought, go and work as a practice manager. Had no idea really what was involved with a practice manager. Um, never been involved in health before, but started working as the practice manager there. And quickly realized, and to your point earlier, uh, Paul, that we had an amazing practice, like amazing nurses, amazing doctors, amazing receptionists, but we had no idea what was actually going on, uh, what was happening, what was doing in our practice. We were flying a little bit blind. So I, I mentioned I'm a total nerd, so I started building dashboards to understand what was going on in my clinic, you know, just to really get to the bottom of what was happening, cut through the noise. And we got it right a lot of the time. We made good metrics. We got it wrong a lot of the time. We made metrics that weren't actually that powerful but eventually we knew that we had some pretty awesome dashboards. I was visiting a lot of other practices and they were like, hey, Chris, we hear you've got some awesome dashboards. Can you hook me up with some dashboards? So we knew other practices were crying out for data and easy to understand ways to use their data that was meaningful. And hey, those dashboards eventually became Cubico about three and a half years ago. Uh, we spent a year building it all out. Then we spent a year testing it with 20 amazing practices from all over Australia. 
Um, and then finally, we launched about three years ago, um, and we now support about 1,500 general practices from all around Australia to understand what's going on in their practice management system, to understand what's going on in their practice, and pull data from anywhere we can get our hands on to, to make life just that little bit easier. But hey, the awesome thing is it's all grounded in the fact that I was a practice manager. We have five practice managers on staff that were either practice managers or practice owners previously, all just building awesome insights rather than just random bits of data. Yeah, and look, that's, that's fabulous. And look, I know that, you know, from my own experience of, you know, trying to get information out of, you know, best practice medical director or whatever software platform you use, and then to be able to analyze it, it was torturous at best. And, you know, mm. um, and obviously the more humans we put in the way, the, the less we can trust the data. But I think the other thing that's important to note, you know, and for the audience that's listening to this podcast, it's not only relevant to the practice manager or practice owner, but it's also relevant to the doctor. Because particularly, obviously, in Australia, is that all the doctors are subcontractors and effectively running their own business inside someone else's own practice. So, you know, the data that we're referring to uh, with relation to this content is not necessarily only about how the practice is performing. You know, the doctor is a component of that performance within the practice. Mm. But I know within the uh, software platform, you know, you can analyze, obviously, individual practitioners, which obviously gives the doctors great insights as to actually how their uh, performing and how they're progressing also uh, on the, you know, once again, all the various metrics. So I suppose. And Paul, I think I just... one of the things that was interesting for us on that was um, after the first year of Cubico, our most requested feature was individual Dr. Cubico. So a doctor could just see their data because they were a contractor working within another business. You know, I'm sorry, I probably getting the words wrong there and I'll get in trouble, but you know, you are independent business within another business. So we quickly built a way so that you can just see your own data. And if we talk about data today and you don't have Cubico, please just use it. That's an example. You can jump online, you can grab SQL queries, you can share things, you can run reports and get it. And for you as an individual contractor as well. Yeah, but I think that makes sense. So we're going to focus on once again, I suppose the understanding as to why this is important, because I think that, you know, we understand that, you know, doctors don't like talking about business and money and all that sort of stuff. Mm. And we, we appreciate that. That's not the reason that, you obviously serve the people in your community, but we all understand that, you know, we still have to have an economic model. I mean, everyone wants to be rewarded fairly for the years of uh, pain, sweat and toil mm -hmm. to, get, to get where you are today. So so the first question I'm just going to ask is just um, an overview of the current benchmarks or, you know, in general practice. I mean, what are the sort of the main benchmarks do you think that, well, that uh, most practices are looking at or should be looking at? Yeah, look, um, I always find it, and once again, I'm going to say that we're talking about the business of general practice today. We're not talking about clinical indicators. We're talking about clinical outcomes. We're talking about the business of general practice. And one of the big things we always start with is what is billings per hour? Uh, a lot of people for many years used to benchmark billings per appointment. And I know a lot of people got really fixated with that. But Paul, you'd probably agree to me that I can't come up with a definition of what a standard appointment is in general practice. Was it 15 minutes? Was it 10? Was it a script? Was it a long consult? So we've been finding that the, 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 the metric around billings per hour has been resonating really well with the community because it's something you can compare. You can compare billings per appointment, but you've got to normalize it and try and understand it. Whereas you say billings per hour, you can quickly compare that across the country. So we know from the, over 700 practices that are opted into our um, data set that the average billings per hour when you're full. So a full hour face-to-face -face with patients on averages bills about $347 per hour. So that's been a really interesting number for us to start getting our heads around and for people to start being like, oh, 
do I do that? Do I do more? Do I do less? What does that mean? So $347 per hour has been really coming through. That's been growing, which is great. It's what we're really interesting to see. Last year, um, we particularly saw a big change in that when practices made that switch from a, a lot of them being bulk billing to being private or mixed billing. So first one that people are tracking billings per hour. Second one, appointments per hour, because it's about balancing that quality of life with with the style of medicine that you want to practice and how many patients you want to see per hour. So, you know, the throughput in, in bulk billing practices versus mixed billing practices being those appointments per hour. Um, so on average, that's about four, 4.1 appointments per hour um, we see across Australia. Really interesting fact, Paul, and I, I wonder if your listeners would find this interesting. In, in, in a bulk billing clinic, it's about 4.7 appointments per hour. In a mixed billing clinic, it's about 3.9 appointments per hour. So nearly one extra patient per hour um, is being seen in a bulk billing clinic over a mixed billing clinic, which obviously impacts on revenue, but impacts too on the practice because you need more waiting room chairs, you need more car parks, you need more nurses, you need more receptionists. Um, so that's been a really interesting one as well. Um, and the final one is just the average price of a standard consult, the average price of a 23. And Paul, you got to, you want to take a guess about the average price of, of a 23 years in a private or mixed billing clinic? I know, I know. And unfortunately, because we run sub-specialized practices, I know what ours is and it'd be, it's a oh. little bit of a different number. Yeah. But no, Made it uh, so. would, uh, let me go. 87. Pick a number. 80. Well, there you go. It wasn't yeah, too far so, off. Exactly. So, you know, if, we all, if you're looking to update your fee schedule, um, $80 is the average fee in a mixed or private billing clinic for, for a 23. And then the other one would be, you know, any industry trends that you've sort of seen, you know, with the data, because obviously if we've been, mm. you know, been looking at data for a while, I mean, is, you know, the dollar per hour, has it increased significantly, you know, over the last year or so? Yeah. Or is there any other industry trends that you've seen through the data, through that collection of yeah. uh, 700 practices? Mate, the data nerd of me gets excited by two things. One is last year, all those trends were all over the shop. Hey, they were up and down and all over the shop. But this year, as an industry, we've found some real solid norms, which has been quite surprising. So we probably need one or two more months to have those real solid industry norms out there. But we're really kind of settling into some new norms in terms of, of throughput of patients, of billings per hour. But the biggest thing that we're seeing across industry at the moment, and something that I'm really passionate about, is a shift in the conversation away from bulk billing rates to average gap. Because Paul, if I say to you, what's your bulk billing rate? And you give me a number. I don't know whether you've done that based on item numbers, which is what everything out of Canberra seems to be about. If you've done that based on dollars or if you've done that based on appointments or patients. And it's really confusing to talk about the same number in three different ways. So what we've been doing a lot of chat with the industry is actually saying, what's the average gap on a standard appointment for you? What's the average gap on a long? And, and obviously the corresponding item numbers there. Because what that does is that obviously the average gap gets shrunk if you bulk bill a lot. But if I say to you, Paul, the average bulk billing rates for you, if one, if, if you're if, as a GP, like the average bulk billing rate was 60%, that's a lovely number. But if I say the average gap is $32 for you, but for everyone else in the practice, it's 50, does that have more meaning? Because you can think about how many people you saw today and what that meant for every appointment. So we're really seeing a trend away from talking about bulk billing rates to talk more about average gap as a way of really having a conversation around the same thing rather than different Canberra bureaucracies coming in there. Excellent. And are there, are there specific key metrics that, you know, a general practice should be looking at to, to measure their performance or success? Mm. Yeah. So um, every practice is different. So we give you some of those benchmarks and I mentioned them a few before, but one of the most important things is to make sure you're comparing apples for apples. So if you're a bulk billing clinic in outer Metro Brisbane, 
comparing yourself to an inner clinic, inner Sydney clinic that's fully private billing is always going to give you a very different outcome about how you feel about things. We say to practices that what we love to track is your billings per hour, because that's a key guide to what's going to land in the bank account. Hey, billings per hour, utilization, the interesting point, the intersection between appointments per hour and billings per hour and where that lands. And then for a lot of general practices, the use of chronic disease management is really important in driving revenue and driving amazing passion outcomes. So keeping an eye on that. In terms of like some more operational metrics and getting the accountant hat off a little bit, no-show rate is actually a really critical one. And a lot of people say to me, Chris, we don't have a no problem with our no-show rate. It's at 3%. And I'll be like, yes, but if that was 1% less, how many more appointments would you do per year? Wait time uh, is something that a lot of people get a bit funny about talking about. I say to you, as if you're a practice manager or a practice owner, don't get obsessed with wait time to say, oh, we have an average of a 10-minute wait time. But to me, wait time is one of the best ways of knowing if something has changed in my practice, has it worked? And I'll give you an example here. So say you changed the, the nurses in the treatment room and you went from having two treatment room nurses to one. I'm really making an example up here. And suddenly all the wait times blow out, but everyone's saying everything's fine. Is wait time then a great little proxy measure, that canary in the coal mine to be like, oh yeah, this didn't quite work. Um, so use wait time as sort of a great little proxy measure there. The other one that practices should be tracking is the use of their online bookings and if they're coming through and if it's working for them. And finally, I know I'm rambling a little bit, but but uh, you know the practice manager in me always gets a little bit obsessed with recalls and reminders. So making sure you're on top of that and nothing slipping through the cracks um, can come through a lot as well. There's a lot of other metrics, but they're just a few that I love to, to track in my practice. No, 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 I don't disagree. In fact, we measure all of those and we actually report on them on a weekly basis so that we... Uh... Do keep an eye on it. And I think that's yeah. the other thing I was just going to ask is that, I mean, how often as a, as a practice owner should I be sitting down or a practice manager or, even, you know, mm. for that matter, a doctor? Um, how often should I be looking at data and then, you know, what method should I be using to make comparisons? You know, is it, you know, is it the last month or the last six mm. months? I mean, I'm just conscious, you know, data is fine by itself, but then there's obviously the frequency of it. And I know for us with dollar per hour, because we have lots of whole billings, you know, depending whether the doctor decided to, you know, clean out all the pathology and submit the claims, obviously the, the numbers can be a bit lumpy. So I'm just conscious of, uh, with, with you know, when you're looking at data, how often should you be looking at it and, and the comparative times you should be analysing? Yeah, so I'm going to not sound like I'm copying out on this question, but I'm going to be really truthful and say, we like to look at things on a daily, weekly and monthly basis. And that's really cool because we actually look at different things at each one of those intervals. So what we look like at a daily level is actually really different to what we look like at a monthly level. And it's up to you and your practice about how engaged you want to be uh, with the process to choose what you want to look at. So if you go to our website, um, we've got some great little blogs about like a daily list, a weekly list, and a monthly list of what, what to look at. I'd say at a minimum, Paul, if, you, if you're just starting off or you sort of want to get across it, we love to do it weekly. And we love to look at the previous week. We get together every Monday morning and we look at our previous week because that actually means that we can make changes to our business and make changes in our, to our practice before it gets too late. And I know they'll talk to a lot of practices that are like, oh, Chris, we look at our, our data with our accountant who, who don't use data at the moment. And they'll say, Chris, the way we do data at the moment is we wait till our accountant gives us the BAS return for last period with the profit and loss for the last quarter. And that's what we do to look at data. And it's too late for a lot of things by that point to do anything with it. And that's when people start becoming disillusioned with data because you actually, it doesn't make any change in your business. If anything, it just makes you feel bad or it might make you feel good. 
but how are you going to use that data because it's too out of date? So I'd say when you start the data journey, do it weekly and pick a few things that are important to your business and focus on them. And then as you grow, it maybe then becomes a, a dashboard that every day your nurses look at to see where they can do more chronic disease. Or maybe then becomes a dashboard about we're doing a quality improvement with this. And then maybe for your owners or your managers meeting, we don't want to get bogged down in those sort of things, but we're looking more at utilization or what's happened with our booking diaries or what's happening looking ahead or what's happened to our average gap. So there's different questions. Um, and I, I know I sound like I'm copying out of your question there, Paul, but I think different, different timeframes lend themselves to different metrics. And that's probably the best way to, to slice and dice it on those ones. Yeah, no, I don't disagree. We do the same thing. So we look at it, we look at certain data on a weekly basis because it obviously is relevant. Yeah, you know, utilization. We actually will do yeah. also future utilization as well. We actually look into the, our appointment book yeah. in the future. Because if we've got a situation where, you know, the appointment book is full for, you know, weeks to come, well, then obviously we can bring in another doctor. If obviously mm. we're struggling to fill the appointment book next week, bringing a new doctor in is only going to disenfranchise the doctors we've already got um, as part of our family. So, um, you know, the other thing with, with metrics, and I suppose the other one is, you know, one is to look backwards, but then obviously the data that we can look at to look forward to help mm. I mean, more reasonably project, you know, or predict, obviously, the performance of the business in the future. Yeah, look, one of the metrics I love, actually, is um, looking ahead, what is our utilization? So you mentioned that one there. But what we love to do it is actually we do it in terms of if today is Thursday. If I look at next Monday, I know in a lot of general practices after the fact, diaries will do something every day. So it's actually forecasting is really important based on it's already four days out from next Monday. How full are our diaries normally four days out? Not after the fact, what are they? So being really smart about that. And one of the things that I've learned a lot is that as a practice manager pre-COVID, I always knew how full the waiting room was, was a good proxy for how full our diaries were. But with the advent of telehealth, what's happened is that that waiting room proxy is no longer there as well. So using data to make sure your utilization is up there is, is really important. We do it on room utilization as well. So if you're a practice owner, having those rooms there and making sure they're utilized is really important because you're probably paying rent or outgoings on those rooms. And then the last one I find, uh, last two, I'll give you two, is um, making sure your diaries are set up correctly. It's amazing the number of practices that when they run their metric to look at the next six months, realize that maybe they haven't opened up the diary for that upcoming registrar. Or come Christmas, we're actually down to one GP. Have we rostered our nurses and our receptionists in line with being down to one GP? Um, can be really important drivers in your business. Or maybe last year we had four GPs away. So this year we've rostered down to one nurse and one receptionist. But we're going to have three of our four GPs on over Christmas this year. We can't roster down. Um, so there's some ways that as a business, you can control those costs and, and wages are a big one around costs that, that we like to look at. Um, the final one I look at a lot is who's coming in tomorrow that hasn't confirmed their appointment and what is the chance of them not showing up? Because if they haven't responded to whatever booking system you're using, there's lots of them out there to say they're coming in and they have a 60% history of not showing up. Is it worth the 50 cent phone call to make sure they're coming in? Yes, as a different way. So there's some different ways that I love to look, look ahead in my data. Yeah. And, and I think that's the importance of it is once again, is using these tools to, and I think like, you know, from, from our perspective, running a business is that, you know, when we look at data, we can see where we have problems, right? And I said, mm. let's say the no-show rate is high. Well, very clearly our process for ensuring people get the right reminders and confirming appointments, et cetera, is not working. And I think that like, uh, you know, as you mentioned, there's lots of data we can look at and 
So the way that we've traditionally looked at it is, you know, we could look at the data and go, well, okay, the no-show rates are, you know, 3%. That's acceptable, right? I mean, people are just not going to turn up. That, mm. That's just a function of life. Um, but, you know, if we, but if, we, if that, once again, that no-show rate is is high or, you know, let's say it's 10% and uh, that's obviously a wasted opportunity, uh, then the question then is, all right, so what are we doing to fix it? So the, the thing that whilst we have lots of metrics we look at, we then look at what is actually our target or goal for these mm. particular areas. And then if we're hitting them, we don't have to focus on it. If we're not hitting yeah. them, then that's something that we then need to, as an organisation, sit down and discuss and work out how we're actually going to address it. Um, and then hopefully, once again, when we're looking at data, most of it is making us happy. And then there's obviously a few things that's probably not. And then we can concentrate the efforts of the organisation around obviously trying to address those particular issues. Totally. I think, I think data without a goal or a target is often misleading. Like if I said to you, we built $30,000 last week in my practice, you've got no idea, was that great for our practice or was that terrible for our practice? So that's really important to have goals or targets because it also means the team can solidify around something as well. Like the team love to work towards a goal or a target which is helping them sort of focus it on what's important. And then finally, it's that drinking from the fire hydrant. We often find when practices buy Cubico, um, sometimes they're a bit overwhelmed um, by the amount of data that's now available. So we've, we've sort of found a lot of those key metrics that we spoke about today, we've put all onto one page. And if you head to our website, we've got a great little blog with all those key metrics on it, because then you know where you might want to start or where you might want to put your effort. And then just one last point on that is also, it's not just having a goal, it's also knowing when things have changed. You know, what changed and why did this change? Because that's your flag that something's going wrong. Um, I know I had one doctor that would always, I'd see them in the corridor and say, hey, how are you going today? And they'd always just say good. And they'd say good to me in the last three weeks, but I know that their billings per hour had dropped considerably. And it wasn't until I went and said, oh, look, we've noticed, you know, is everything okay? And made an effort because the data had shown us something had changed that they actually then opened up and told us that the change that had been made had been done something different. One last little thing on that one, Paul, for the practice managers on the podcast today, make sure all these improvements that you do, you log as quality improvements for accreditation because those accreditation uh, quality improvements are fantastic for you. So it breaks my heart when I see all these people doing this awesome stuff with their data and they're not noting it down for their quality improvements for accreditation. Um, the last question I'll ask for, for this particular podcast is how do you as a practice owner um, or practice manager you know, share this information to get obviously the impact that you would like to have, uh, you know, with the staff and the team to help obviously improve uh, the performance of, let's say, a, a number that maybe is not ideal. Yeah, look, we find the biggest way is to not be an information hoarder. If information can only come from you, then you're the one in control of it. Then how does everyone get behind it? And the other thing, so we, so we let you share data with everyone. Obviously, you can control who sees what, but sharing data with the team is really powerful. And then actually then packaging up with, with wins as well as improvements. You can't always just be doing improvements. You actually have to celebrate the wins. And I know we had about 600 practices we helped with the COVID rollout, with the vaccine rollout. And for them, it was that at 10% of our population, we had a pizza party. At 50%, we, we went out for dinner. You know, they was actually doing things to celebrate the wins from the data. So data is not always seen as this horrible stick, but actually is something that shows us where we're winning and what we're, what we're accomplishing. Um, and, and, and tying it all back to patients. So one of our favorite metrics is patients that are overdue their over 75 health assessment. I know when we talk about that in my practice, I'm thinking about my grant. And I'm not thinking about the number, but I'm actually thinking about how over 75 health assessments would help my grant. 
Um, so tying it back to something tangible and care is really important in general practice. And, and your data is your supporting piece on that to get there. Excellent. I mean, just a you know, practical example. I mean, I completely agree with you on it. Um, what we do in, in our business is the, the key metrics that the, the staff can have impact on. So let's say utilization is one, um, you know, no-show rate obviously is another one. So if, you know, if a patient cancels finding somebody to fill out an appointment, uh, you know, on that day, et cetera, and we actually put that in a dashboard and share that with them on a weekly basis. Oh, awesome. And then if we hit particular targets over the quarter, we then basically put money into a fund, which then the staff then determine whether they want to do a fun activity or go out for a dinner or go to the movies or whatever um, mm. as part of it. We actually That's call so it the, cool. Bravo, the Bravo Club. But I mean, I think to your point is that there's no point in having the information if you don't share it. And ultimately, mm. there are numbers which... You know, I mean, you know, does a receptionist directly impact the doctor's dollar per hour? Yes, sort of, because ultimately, if they don't have a patient in the appointment book to see, then obviously that's a wasted opportunity. So I think that um, it's a very good point you make. It's it's a case of sharing the data because I think most people, once again, like to see how things are going. Um, and like I said, we've gone from you know being a business that basically didn't share anything to now basically sharing everything. I mean, that's so awesome. Been, we, we use the platform that doctors can look at, log in and see how they're going, that we can show them how the practice is going, because we do believe that, you know, with information, it does obviously, and, you know, you then can create targets and then celebrate success. And I completely agree with you. If you as a practice sit there and say, we want to get our no-show rate from, you know, 10% to 5%, when you get to 5%, give them a reward, have a celebration, mm. you know, make them, uh, you know, recognise the work that they've done. Because once again, there's very few opportunities within a business, you know, to celebrate success. And I yeah. think that we, we all do important work and we do appreciate that. But I think having those things, and like I said, and also as an owner, you know that if we do minimize the no-show rate, well, that's obviously going to lift the profitability of the practice. So therefore, giving them a reward is going to be cents in the dollar in comparison to what it means to the practice overall. Exactly, exactly. Excellent. Um, look, uh, we could talk for hours and I would just love to do so. And I think <laughs> we'll need to get you back to talk about this further. But look, I really want to thank you very, very much for your time today. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. And look, as a as somewhat meant to be an accountant, in fact, funnily enough, I studied accountancy and also dropped out of it to go and pursue other interests in life. So we share a common story. But, but definitely, Chris, we'd love to get you to come back. And I'd love to actually see how those numbers obviously uh, progress particularly if uh, the the data that is the industry benchmark standards would be great to share further but amazing so thank, thank you. you so much for having me on it's been a it's been an awesome time to nerd out around all things data in a safe space so uh, thank uh, you very much for having me on excellent then thank you everybody for listening to the podcast as a as i said chris is obviously you know if you go to the qbk website and go to their blog there's going to be lots of resources um, that you can access and look wish you all the best with running your practice and the doctors, once again, having a look at your data and seeing how uh, things can improve. I hope you all have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening. If you like the podcast, please subscribe so you can get updates whenever we post more. And please share it with others. And for more info, please go to healthcert.com.